Amazon.com sellers face numerous obstacles to success, sometimes including Amazon itself. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. To be an Amazon seller today is to have access to one of the world's largest e-commerce platforms. For many e-tailers, it's a make-or-break proposition. But selling on Amazon has its challenges as well. Companies face sales and inventory planning headaches, even more so in this time of pandemic and extreme uncertainty of demand. Then there's the matter of scoring well on Amazon's Inventory Performance Index, which rates sellers on a number of factors that aren't always, shall we say, 100% clear. Fulfillment by Amazon, or FBA, is a great option for many, as long as you don't mind having the way you do business dictated to you. And what happens if you decide to bypass FBA, or even Amazon altogether? On this episode, we get answers from Francois Jaffray, Director of Business Development from Novaland. Here's our conversation. Well, Francois Jaffray, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Bob. I want to start out by asking you, do you have a sense at this point as to how Amazon sellers weathered and navigated this last latest peak season? So we work a lot with Amazon sellers of all sizes, all the way from those that are just starting out through the seven and eight figure sellers. And across the board, it has been the most chaotic year I think we've experienced with Amazon sellers. And being able to grow with them, whether that's with new 3PL solutions or new logistics solutions, because across the board, you did see the supply chain as a whole sort of not necessarily crumble, but definitely start to strain. And I think Amazon sellers with them relying on this just-in-time manufacturing, just-in-time supply chain with Amazon, it was very strenuous. Now we're starting to see things pick a little bit more back up in 2021, but hopefully we do see sort of this new era, a better supply chain as a whole for Amazon sellers. Well, I do want to talk about the new era in a moment, but I still want to discuss a little bit more of the current state of affairs. And of course, many, many companies are learning about the limitations of just-in-time on the basis of what has happened in the last year. What are the big issues that were the biggest obstacles for Amazon sellers during this time? I would say number one, and it was top of mind for everyone this year, maybe not so much last year. Well, I guess actually 2020, not 2019. I forgot that we're in 2021 now. But Mm -hmm. I think the biggest obstacle really was inventory planning because Amazon, once COVID hit, they really started to panic when it came to warehousing and warehousing management where typically an Amazon seller might be able to send in, let's say, a 1,000 units on every shipment that they made. Now they were limited to about 200 units, and they were scrambling to find new partners and new solutions for what to do with the remainder of their inventory. Not only that, whenever you have the three Ws, when that's working, water, and warehousing, that's just a little motto we like to go by with a lot of our customers and partners, is that When something is being manufactured, you can't just tell the manufacturer to stop midway through. You have to get that, and then you have to store it somewhere. And then if Amazon isn't letting that go into their FBA facilities, now you have to figure out what to do with that inventory. So we started to see this huge rise in 3PL or third-party logistic 
warehousing that I think mm-hmm. a lot of e-commerce sellers are going to start to go towards this year. FBA fulfillment by Amazon. Are we assuming in this discussion that these Amazon sellers are availing themselves of that option? Or are you saying that they're also getting away from that and, and finding their own solutions for fulfillment? Well, I think what this year really did, or this past year really did, was open their eyes that Amazon, I like to call it the beast sometimes, but Amazon the beast really runs your business for you. You don't get to run it yourself, where you are limited to any limitations that Amazon itself puts on your warehousing, puts on the performance of your sales, categorizes it as an oversized item. So now you're paying more in warehousing fees. You're really subject to whatever Amazon wants to do with your business. Now, I think this year we'll see that a lot of the sellers open their eyes that there are new alternatives. So we have Walmart Marketplace. We have several other e-commerce marketplaces. And we'll see a rise of B2B e-commerce also. That's a, a different topic. But ultimately, I think they will see a benefit in using both the third-party logistics warehouse or a 3PL and selling through Amazon FBA or fulfillment by Amazon. So they'll be able to manage their inventory better with the 3PL and they'll be able to fulfill into Amazon so Amazon can also fulfill their customers in a quicker way. So that two-day turnaround time that Amazon is able to provide. Explain to me, please, what is the IPI, the Inventory Performance Index? Yeah, it's very interesting. It's sort of like a credit score for your inventory management. It's basically Amazon pushing you to run your inventory as efficiently as possible within the Amazon fulfillment centers. So they'll look at several things, several aspects of it, such as excess inventory or your sell-through rate or stranded inventory, which means that you basically have items in that warehouse that aren't being actively listed on Amazon. So they look at these three different sectors in your business, and they'll determine how much inventory space they're willing to give you. So of course, with excess inventory, they're going to be pushing you to try to sell as much of that as possible to increase your sell-through rate. And when you're able to increase your sell-through rate, then you have less stranded inventory because you're managing your inventory a little bit better. So between these three factors, Amazon will tell you, okay, at the end of this quarter, we saw that you performed exceedingly well across all these three sectors. So we're going to allow you to send in, instead of 1,000, we're going to open your limitation to 5,000 units every month for this particular SKU. Now, that can also adversely affect the seller to where if they are working with a poor IPI, or I guess we should also define that, they measure that on a scale of zero to a thousand, with a thousand being absolutely perfect. The threshold used to be 350 back in 2018 when they first started that. They increased that to 400. And then in 2020, because of COVID and, and warehousing limitations, we saw that increase to 500. Now, as of December 20th, I believe, of 2020, they brought that back down to 450. So let's say, again, just similar to a credit score, if you have 450 or above, you're in the clear with Amazon. And they measure that twice a quarter. So they'll measure that six weeks before the end of a quarter and then right on that last day. So let's say right on March 31st, if you have an IPI score of 450 or above, they won't limit the amount that you can actually ship in. They might even increase it if you have a very good IPI. Now, if you have uh, an IPI score that's below 450, both six weeks before and at the end of that quarter, then they will limit. They'll, They'll send you that warning the first time. They'll tell you, we're going to limit your inventory to this amount. And if you don't get it up six weeks later, so by the end of that quarter, they will tell you this is taking into effect, let's say, on July 1st. So you won't be able to send in more than 
where you used to be sending 1,000, maybe 200 units for the remainder of this quarter. Now, there is a solution, not necessarily an easy solution, but you are able to create shipping plans within the Amazon Seller Central account before you are actually limited. So once you have those shipping plans actually created, you can still send those shipments in before Amazon starts to limit it, if you're worried that your IPI is going to fall below the threshold, with that threshold being 450. Are the criteria that Amazon employs to develop an IPI score, are they visible? Are they quantitatively clear to the seller? Or is there kind of a black box aspect to it where Amazon just says, hey, you got this score and you don't quite know exactly why? That's a great question. Very similar to your credit score. It's sort of a gray area. You know some things that you could do to improve it. And they'll let you know where you're lacking. So, for example, if you do have stranded inventory, and as a reminder, that's just having inventory in the warehouse but not having an active listing for it, then they will tell you that you can issue a removal order and just take out all inventory that you don't have active offers for or to reactivate those offers to try to make some sales. Or if you have excess inventory so that carrying inventory month after month or they they measure it with your past 90-day record. So it goes, the units that you're able to sell in the past 90 days over, in increments of 30, how much inventory you actually have stored. So let's say you have, you're able to sell 1,000 units, and over the past 90 days, you've had a history of 2,000 units stored, you would have a 50% sell-through rate. Mm-hmm. And when you have a poor sell-through rate, they might give you new proposals, I guess you can even call them. They'll say you can run this promotion or you can have a lightning deal or you should remove this inventory because you're just not selling through it quick enough. So they give you these tips, but it is very much still that black box you were mentioning where it's not clear. It doesn't say this is exactly how you will increase your IPI. You refer to them as tips, but I wonder to what extent is Amazon pressure either directly or indirectly pressure sellers to discount their merchandise to increase their sell-through rate? That's the million-dollar question. And every seller, and I've spoken to several of our seven- and eight-figure sellers about IPI specifically, everyone sees different suggestions on their seller central account. Some may see that they should run certain types of promotions. Some may see when they're working with, let's say, an account manager or representative of Amazon, they may just suggest it's not a good product at this time, or it may be seasonal. So if it's being sold well in the summer, now during the winter, you would want to remove these items. It's not very clear. They don't tell you this is exactly what you have to do to increase it. Again, it's just very much tips and suggestions that I think could be blanketed across several sellers, across several different types of scenarios. But they won't tell you this is exactly why we're suggesting this. They won't give you a reasoning behind it. I'd like to ask a very naive question, and I wonder to what extent can sellers trust that Amazon is being 100% objective in its treatment of them (laughs) when there may be a similar product selling under Amazon's own brands, whether Amazon Essentials or whatever. Can we assume that there's no connection between those two things? I couldn't say. I wouldn't want to put myself in a position to actually say Amazon is going to prioritize their products over someone else's. What I would say is that Amazon has all the data and and the capacity to do so. So where a seller might manually have to send in 500 units and they forecast their projections to go up to 1,000 in the next 90 days, Amazon would have all the data to be able to say, no, that's going to sell exactly 800 units based on the past five years of sales and based on these search volumes. 
Mm-hmm. I think they, they're just empowered to be able to do more than a typical seller would be able to do. And given it's their own platform, they're not forcing any business to be on it. They're opening it up as a marketplace. I'm not sure if that's necessarily right or wrong, but it does pose the same question that you are asking. And I think millions of other Amazon sellers are asking. So what it should be on the agenda of Amazon sellers in 2021 as they attempt to get their IPI scores up and work successfully with Amazon and yet sell product for a profit? How can they be addressing these tough issues? The number one thing is, is all about supply chain. And of course, they came to the right podcast to learn about that. I think it's really looking at that upstream supply chain. So working with your suppliers to be able to store some of those items at their facilities, whether that be in China or any other part of Asia or right here in the U.S. Work with them to be able to have more products ready and maybe work with them on better payment terms. That way it doesn't affect your cash flow as much. Working more downstream, you could look for better 3PL partners and solutions. So as you grow, your 3PL would be able to help you cross-stock, for example, or help you fulfill into Amazon as needed to be able to continue increasing the IPI. Because Amazon does also suggest, based on your past sales history of the past, let's say, three months, we suggest that you ship in an additional 5,000 units. Now, you have to have those 5,000 units in hand to be able to do that. And that's why I say work with your suppliers, definitely look at 3 solutions to streamline those processes and be able to keep in stock any SKUs that are selling well to be able to increase that sell-through rate and in turn increase that IPI score. But I just want to get clear on this idea of the use of third-party logistics providers for fulfillment services. Are you saying that there is a way by which Amazon sellers can completely bypass Amazon's own fulfillment offering, get around that completely, and thereby not have to address some of these issues of quality and IPI that Amazon imposes on them? Great question. So that is one method, and that's called FBM or Fulfilled by Merchant in which case they wouldn't have that Amazon Prime badge on their listing. But if you run out of inventory in Amazon FBA, then you can continue to keep that listing active and have your 3PL fulfill any orders that you get. So that's not as effective as as having Amazon actually sell or ship the items for you because you likely won't get the two-day shipping. Consumers, I know personally, I always look for the Amazon Prime badge because I want it quick. I want it now. Now, the alternative to that, or I guess the second use of 3PL or third-party logistics centers, would actually be to be able to fulfill Amazon FBA quicker. So if you run out of inventory in Amazon FBA, let's say you have an additional pallet at an Amazon 3PL warehouse, and Amazon isn't going to consider that pallet in their storage until they actually receive it. So if you ship, let's just do a quick example. If you ship five pallets to them, they're going to calculate all five pallets in their storage, and you have to sell through those. So they're going to look at your sell-through rate on those. They're going to look at how much excess inventory or also carrying costs and carrying inventory on those and look at your profitability. And they'll also let you know how much you spend on FBA fees. Mm-hmm. Now, if you ship in three pallets and you ship two more pallets to a 3PL warehouse, you only have to worry about those three pallets. So your scores naturally are going to be based on a smaller denominator, and you can continue fulfilling Amazon FBA with those two additional pallets from the 3PL facility. Another possibly naive question. Does any of this affect a seller's position in search results on Amazon.com? It will affect your bestseller ranking. If you run out of inventory, it will affect also your bestseller ranking if you are not using Amazon FBA. 
because again, most consumers are going to be looking for that prime badge to be able to get it in two days. So if you choose the pure FBM model where you are having a 3PL fulfill those orders for you, you will not be as successful as if you do both an Amazon FBA and an FBM listing. Successful in terms of how you come up in results. If I simply type an item into the search box, where is that seller going to come up? Page one, page two, page 50. (laughs) Will that be affected by that? It will. It will be affected by if you don't have an Amazon FBA listing. And that also affects your your sell-through rate. So if you have a higher sell-through rate, you're going to keep increasing in that bestseller ranking. And that bestseller ranking affects your search. The other thing I would wonder is a complete alternative that bypasses Amazon altogether. We're hearing Shopify is offering itself as an alternative, although it requires the seller to take on many more responsibilities for marketing and fulfillment that Amazon would have done for them otherwise. What about that? What about doing an end run and just saying there's a point of diminishing returns and how much effort I as a small seller have to put out in order to please Amazon to the point where my profitability is being eroded to the point where Amazon is the one who owns my customer, not me. To what extent should small sellers be thinking about a complete end run? And that's tough to say because I think every seller is going to have different needs. Some sellers do like that Amazon can help them with advertising and they could help them with giving them different metrics through, let's say something like Jungle Scout, which is a a keyword search, sort of like a spy foo, things like that, where they're able to tell you, hey, these are the estimated search results based on the items that you're trying to sell. So you do have more tools when you're working with Amazon. And it's always a good idea to diversify, but you can't diversify unless you have the right tools in your tool shed, right? So having that 3PO to help you with fulfillment having an advertising expert to help you with online advertising. Sometimes it comes down to just one entrepreneur that wants to do it all, and that's great. But when you have to manage your supply chain, when you have to manage your advertising and marketing, when you have to manage your inventory management itself, it becomes a lot. So for a business to get on Amazon that's already established, that's a great channel for sales. But for a new entrepreneur that just wants to completely bypass Amazon, I think that's giving up a very large piece of the pie, especially if you haven't done it in the past. I think it's worth trying and seeing what the differences are between that and let's say Shopify and Shopify to Walmart Marketplace which is an emerging marketplace also. We can only assume that the challenges for small sellers or small business sellers on Amazon in 21 will be just as much of a challenge, if not more than in 20 in years past. But in any case, Francois Geoffrey, I want to thank you so much for helping us to understand what are some of the issues and details and quality considerations that sellers need to be thinking about today. Thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I hope I was able to provide enough detail. That was my conversation with Francois Jaffre of Novaland, talking about the challenges of being an Amazon seller. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time. <laughs>